The Theonauts, episode 30. The one with musical theater. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theobrarians out there. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the, the Theonauts. Jeremiah, welcome to our tried episode. Woo! Dun, dun, I, dun, 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 dun. I, don't know. I, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, that was pretty awesome. But I like it. Yeah. It immediately reminded me of Star Wars. Hence the theme. <laughs> it's, it's epic. <laughs> yes, it is epic. See, I like making up words. So, 30? Shakespeare made up words. He did, didn't he? Yeah. 30 episodes. Yes. Can you believe that? Wow. We're already at 30. <laughs> Here we go again. Let's make Nobody it has forced us to stop yet. That's right. They haven't come in guns blazing. <laughs> you must desist. Desist. Deceased. You, you desist. don't know what you're doing. Desist or you will decease. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been 30 episodes. So, yeah. here we go. Here we go. How was your week? What'd you do? Oh, man. Week was good. Uh, kind of non-eventful. It's, good. A, it's been like a short period of time since we did the last Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you would call 29, but that episode was on Saturday and this is Thursday. So it hasn't even been a week yet. Yeah. So I haven't, haven't had a chance to do a lot except check on the stats of that episode. Ooh, what happened? They went through the roof. That was amazing. I I don't know. Where are you guys hearing about us? That's what I want to know. Exactly. And if you are, leave us some feedback. If there's some guy randomly clicking 30 times across, (laughs) I understand. But or 300 times across or whatever. Yeah, no, the, the, I was looking at the stats for, in case this is news to you guys, the last episode, episode 29 on creationism, um, that quadrupled our normal listening um traffic right like it just went bam through the roof yeah it was crazy and i have no idea what was driving that um but it's cool yeah we were really excited about it so <laughs> so and, and that's uh the way those stats are are are, are uh, compiled yeah or aggregated it it's not like same person listening over and over won't affect that right so that's individual listens so 380 yeah it's more than that it's it's up to it's over 400 something now wow so that's awesome so keep listening i you know it might be because it's such a hot button issue yeah just what michael was saying from over at our gctn gct yeah Yeah, we we were talking about that and and yeah it's a hot button topic for some people but i mean you could argue almost everything we talk about is a hot button topic to somebody (laughs) that's true (laughs) we've talked about some some kind of controversial things on here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, we we just love the listen. So yeah. keep listening. You know, it kind of confirms that uh, we're doing this for a reason, uh, reaching out. And so yeah, and and of course, you know, uh, we got to just keep putting disclaimers on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> because just because uh, we're saying stuff on here uh, doesn't make it necessarily so. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it does for me. I don't know about you. Yeah. No. Well, for sure you. I mean, <laughs> I've got I've got more years of wisdom under my belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, but uh, yeah. So you guys make sure that uh, you you know, do some homework and right. put us up against it. And whenever you find something like Riley did yeah, on, on our history thing, he's like, you're wrong. Yeah. I can't remember what we were wrong about. Z- gear, gear zero. Oh, year zero. That was just a faux right. pas. That yeah. was a cheap one, but <laughs> he had to take the shot anyways. Thanks, Riley. Good job. And something like lanolin being sheep's wool. I don't right. Know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Vellum. Vellum. That's right. Vellum. Lanolin. So, yeah, and of course, you know, the age of the earth thing, there's a lot of camps. Oh, yeah. On that. And uh, I was having some conversation uh, afterwards. And um, one of the things I want to make sure that, because if it wasn't clear in the episode, I want to make sure it's clear now. Yes, I was opinionated about where I, you know, <laughs> what I understand about it or how I believe about it, yeah. but that in no way affects our salvation. Right. I mean, right. The, salvation is through Jesus plus nothing. nothing. That's right. Not the creation of the world. Right. I mean, the, right. I, I believe that the creation, the way I understand it lends itself to supporting the gospel and message and, st- and stuff like that, but it doesn't. Right. And that is something we will take a stand on, that salvation is through Jesus and nothing else. And and your belief on creation has no effect on right. your salvation. So like period. even Jeremiah and I aren't on the same page about the age of the earth. However, yeah. um, we're both kind of on the same page about evolution, yeah. right? We, and there, well, 100%, I think. I well, know. and there is a theistic evolution theory yeah, out there. Yeah, there's some people that believe that. And if you can believe in, in evolution and still get to grace, you know, you're understanding that Jesus has to be your substitution, substitution that, that, that he has to replace your horribleness with his goodness. I mean, if you can get there, then wow, that's great. Right. I mean, I'm not going to take away from that at all. Yeah. You, you know, you're still my brother. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to try to convince you, but <laughs> I'm not going to take away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the cool thing about topics, any topic sure. that will spur controversy is it's never supposed to be a war and it's never supposed to be anger and it's never supposed to be hatred or, uh, or belittling people or any of this. And this is stuff that happens far too often, right. too much pride in Christianity. Oh, definitely. And you know, the, the, if there's one sin that's talked about more than any other in, in the whole Bible it's pride. Yep. Okay. But we're full of it. That's right. And, and so guys, if you disagree with us or anybody else, approach it lovingly. You can have a differing opinion right. about what the Bible says, but let's work through it together. I, I love the way Romans 15 kind of airs out some of the differences that were happening there in Romans 14 when he sums it up and says, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. That's a big, Amen. That's, that's a true. big thing. So, so uh, yeah, if we don't agree, that's cool. We can, Jeremiah and I laughing and cutting up about some of the things we don't agree on. Right. It's just fine. Yeah. You know, there's no sense in throwing That's people right. under the bus and calling people names and, well, you're a liberal and I'm a conservative and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it, you so. know, and the key, the one thing again that Christ prays for over and over and it becomes 
It's kind of like the Theonaut Swan song here is Unity. Right. <laughs> yep. And uh, so definitely. Okay. So I got off on tangent. Yeah. How was your week? It was great, dude. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, sort of great. I, okay. So I went to the dentist on Monday. No, I went to the dentist on Tuesday. Man, it's been a fast week. I went to the dentist on Tuesday, found out that I have to do a root canal. I'm not excited <laughs> about I'm scared. I, I put on. I'm, I'll do that for you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> I put on Twitter that I'm scared, and I got a reply from uh, my good old buddy David here that said, "Man up." I don't know what you're talking about. And then one of my <laughs> one of my youth guys retweeted that. <laughs> Thought that was funny, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for praying for me in my distress. There, yeah, good well, brother. Don't be crying about it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I do have a 20 volt wire, uh, cordless drill. So, I mean, can you, <laughs> I can just see us in, in your kitchen. And it's and got that like, hammering, th- it's got that hammering function. Yeah. So, so you and know, Melody comes in. What are you guys doing? <laughs> fixing his tooth for him. That's great. Oh man. But yeah. So, and then I found out that my blood pressure was too high. So I had to get back on my meds and all this other the blood pressure may be high because of the dentist. Visit. Yeah. That's what I said, but whatever. Anyways, that's my, my story. I'm sticking to it. Awesome. And now the news. Well, let's see here. We'll start off by reading you one of my favorite headlines this week. Actually, it's not my favorite headline. It's kind of sad. Two pastors and a 90-year-old man charged with feeding homeless. <laughs> I heard that. What is, <laughs> that's been all over Facebook. What is that about? <laughs> well, basically, this is what happened. Um, South Florida. Um, let's see. The city of... Um, oh, gosh. I had it pulled up, and now it just dropped again. I've got to work so on my iPad skills. Disorganized. Yeah, the city of Fort Lauderdale um, uh, passed a an ordin- a city ordinance uh, restricting public feedings of homeless in parks. And the reason they have is because, of course, the last two winters have been really harsh. So tons of homeless people have flooded Florida, really, more than any other state. There's been a lot more people per capita moving to Florida. And so the city... Council's kind of, you know, worried about it, and so they figured one way to get rid of them is to stop public feedings of them and, you know, open up the park for mm-hmm. people and stuff. So anyways, uh, there, but there's this 90-year-old man there who, um, he's been, uh, his name is Arnold Abbott, and he's been feeding the homeless for years upon years. He's a, he's a chef, and he's a gourmet chef. And so he makes gourmet meals and takes them down four four course gourmet meals. Wow! Takes them down and feeds the homeless with them. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome ministry that he's been doing his whole whole life. And so now at the city ordinances place, he's not allowed to do it in the park anymore. And so, but he's like, I don't care what they say. I'm going to go do it because this is my calling. This is what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. So he's going down and feeding them. And so the the police issued citations. Um, they videotaped him and issued citations. And so he has to go and appear in court. I can't imagine them throwing the book at a nine year old man who's trying to feed homeless people. Um, I heard some quote where he was, where he said that the cops were like, put down the plate, sir. Like it was like, it was a weapon. Yeah. That's what, and that's (laughs) step away from the plate. Put your hands behind your back. (laughs) Stop taking care of that person. Drop the plate now. now. (laughs) 
So that's actually straight from ABC News. That that quote is directly from this <laughs> this, uh, this article. But it's really interesting because it brings up, I guess, a an issue, a topic. What do you what do you do in these situations? Uh, you know, if if you're called well, to feed the homeless and they have a city ordinance against going to the park and feeding the homeless, the natural answer for me would be. Open up, go someplace church, else. Go someplace right. else. Do something else. Well, that's what I was kind of wondering: is is there no other option for him? He, does he have to take him to the park? Take S- it to the park? See, and I don't, I don't know about that. Also, I don't know if the city ordinance is any public place. But I imagine if it's private property, like a church, mm, yeah, they can't, say they can't anything say anything about, about, that. about that, right? But so, you, I, and the, those two is he affiliated with a, with the church? Well, obviously, the pastors would be. Yeah, I, he, I don't think he is affiliated with one church organization the pastors obviously would be i'm thinking why not just go to one of those pastor's churches yeah or go to the park and say hey everybody come over here yeah and then feed them at the church no problem there right uh, you know uh, so everybody's blown up again this is a great example of things that people are blowing up on the internet and going yeah this is getting all kinds of attention oh it is but you know and fort lauderdale is not the only uh city that houston for example has a a $2,000 uh, punishment. Oh, Houston. <laughs> Come on. Dead gummit, Houston. <laughs> we have a problem. We have a problem. <laughs> Houston has, if uh, groups have to have written consent to feed the homeless in public or they face a $2,000 fine, organizations have to go uh, two weeks in advance and get a $150 permit in order to feed the homeless in a park or something. Mm. But again, why not just Go feed him in a church. Just yeah. a thought, you know, just saying, you know, you know, and I'm all for feeding the homeless because I believe that that that's a calling that we have as the church. Right. Um, the only thing that I can think of is that, you know, there are homeless shelters and things like that that feed people. Sure. But a lot of people don't go to them, I think, because they're afraid they're going to get trapped into to something, you know. Huh. And so I guess a, inviting them to to the church may be, for, may be seen from their point as... Uh, oh yeah, there's a catch, you know, they're going to want me to, to, you know, right. Convert or whatever, which they probably honestly do want the people to convert, but it shouldn't be seen as, oh, it's a trade. You know, you don't, (laughs) (laughs) right. In order to get this food, you're going to have to come be baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Sell your show. It doesn't really, uh, (laughs) it says you don't want that type of conversion anyway. So no, you don't. So the idea is to do what Jesus did. Just feed them and then see what happens. Right. If they follow you around forever, like they did him and he said, okay, well eat my flesh and eat my blood. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. My mind just went straight to what you were going to say there. That's so true. Then you can just scare the junk out of them by telling them that you want them to be cannibals. (laughs) You know, misreading. Sorry. Anyways. All right. uh, Next. Pope Francis wants to know what Rick Warren, Russell Moore, and N.T. Wright think about marriage. Wow. That Pope. He's the Pope. <laughs> we need to have some kind of theme music. We really do. We, we need like a Pope section of, we the, do. of the show. <laughs> What's the like, Pope done today? <laughs> I don't know. And now, the Pope. <laughs> uh, Rick Warren. I love the first tagline. This is from Christianity Today. Uh, the, the first line is, even Southern Baptists know not to turn down an invitation from the Pope. 
<laughs> Rick Warren, senior pastor of Saddleback Baptist Church, and Russell Moore, president of Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will meet Pope Francis and offer an evangelical Protestant perspective as part of a Vatican uh, colloquium on marriage and family held this November 17th through the 19th. So I guess he wants to know what they feel about family values. Uh, they're, uh, Russell Moore and Rick Warren have been really campaigning for traditional marriage. Right. And, you know, against the downfall of, of the traditional marriage, which, uh, they're saying basically one man, one woman, one man, one woman, the, uh, the downfall being, uh, cohabitation, uh, which is a big, they see it as a big problem. People aren't getting married. They're having kids out of, out of wedlock and they're just cohabitating, which is on the rise right now. Um, and so I guess the Pope wants to see how he can get on board with it, which is kind of cool. Um, He's, uh, the, the article says the Pope has increasingly been interacting with a number of notable Protestants, including Jeff, uh, uh, Turnicliffe and Brian Stiller, Stiller, the world evangelism Alliance, pastor Joel Olstein. I wouldn't put him with us anyways. Uh, <laughs> televangelists, <laughs> Kenneth Copeland and James Robinson, members of the green family or the fo- founders of Hobby Lobby. And Westmont College President uh, Guile Bean. We are brothers, Francis told a gathering of Pentecostal leaders at Copeland Conferences. So, and this is, most Catholics are happy about this, but there's a section out here that has warned uh, the evangelicals that while the Pope feels this way, we don't feel this way. And you're, it's, not, you're not our brothers. You're not our brothers, <clears throat> and it's not going to happen for, happen for lo- much longer once the Pope's gone. So anyways, it's wow. Yeah. They're, uh, you just wait, we're going to take this Pope out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the blur for that. Not, not, but not all have warmed to Francis's over overtures to evangelicals in July, a near totality of Italian evangelicals warned us evangelicals against getting too cozy with the Catholic church. What appear to be similarities with the evangelical faith and spirituality of sectors of Roman Catholicism are not in themselves reasons for hope of a true change, wrote leaders of the Italian Evangelical Alliance, the Federation of Pentecostal Churches and the Assemblies of God in Italy. A few weeks later, Francis made an unprecedented visit to a Pentecostal church where he apologized for Catholics' past persecutions of other Christians. Wow. So he's really trying to reach across borders. I, you know, this Pope is the most interesting Pope I think we've had. Yeah, he's a radical. He he's is. Different. He's totally different, which is kind of cool. I like him. I, You know, I like him, and then I don't like some other policies. For instance, the whole uh, evolution thing yeah, yeah. and the alien thing. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so did you vote? I did vote. I did, too. We are Americans here yeah. at Theonauts. <laughs> if we vote... <laughs> I voted Christian. Yeah, me too. A Christian vote, man. I don't. I don't know what that means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you voted for Jesus. Did you write him in on the ballot? Check mark Jesus for Senate. <laughs> no. Uh, so, of course, we know that the uh, the election happened this week on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, and it was a huge landslide victory for Republicans everywhere. Um, is that they, why you're in red today? That's why I'm wearing. Yes, I'm, no. I, I uh, let me just make this disclaimer: I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. But 
Anyways, uh, the uh, the Republicans took the Senate with a 52-43 lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took the House of Representatives with a 244-180 lead. Um, so poor old Mr. Reed is not the uh, House Majority Leader anymore. <laughs> nope. Darn. Anyways. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. And Wendy Davis is not our governor. That's right. <laughs> uh, as far as the governors are concerned, uh, we uh, took. Not we. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let's revert that. Republicans. <laughs> wow. I thought you just said. I did. I did. And I am. I stand firm on that. Although in this election, I was very... Uh, never mind. Anyways. Um, the Republicans took the lead over Democrats 31-17. So, I mean, we just... Uh, Annihilated. Yeah, totally flipped the whole thing, I guess, <laughs> Americans did. And I was reading it. Uh, a source news that said that I guess millennials and anyone under 30, I guess the voting is dramatically dropped down. Yeah. I was looking at some of the exit polls and a majority of the votes were coming from people 40 and older. Right. So I was really surprised at that number. Yeah, me too. It, you know, it means that they're, you know, taking the responsibility and the millennials are not. So, Mm -hmm. but I, but I it's can, a midterm election, right? And that usually takes a lesser, at least for the younger people, right. they don't really get into it. We're as not much. voting for a president. I don't care about right. it, you know. And that's the, you know, and also I'd I'd venture to say that the past two elections, three elections, major elections, uh, the millennials and and those under under thirty have really gotten out and voted. Yeah, they had a big impact on our last couple of uh yeah they did so it's pretty interesting but also hope and change hope and change hope and change and they might have been disillusioned and here's the crazy thing though if you look at all the two-term presidents if you add them up uh by the time we get to the midterm elections uh of their last uh term mm-hmm. it's always a huge flip in the other's favor uh so for in my lifetime i can think of uh clinton mm-hmm. after his second year term and yep. uh so he had two years ago and they had the and i remember my mom just celebrating in the front seat oh we got the house and the senate and <laughs> right, all this stuff because right. you know bill clinton's evil whatever it is. And, that, that, and you know th- that kind of is going to create almost a stalemate of sorts oh sure for the next couple of years because sure. you know that president obama is going to be vetoing almost everything, everything. that comes across his desk. everything the first thing <laughs> obamacare repeal it no veto <laughs> you know it's it's just going to happen more secure borders all all that all that's going to be vetoed right so. well the 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 there is such a polarization between oh, yeah. the two parties now yeah i mean there's like there's no middle ground really uh-huh. and and so it's either one all the way one or all the way the right other, so. right but you know that's all the, the funniest thing that i saw online concerning the election was somebody posted uh, a video on uh, Twitter and it said the latest news from the white house. And it was the last few minutes of the movie, the jerk (laughs) with Steve Martin (laughs) when he's leaving the house (laughs) and he's like in his, his, his his pants around his ankles and he's in a bathrobe (laughs) And he's hollering at Bernadette Peters. Yeah. I don't need this. Yeah. I don't need any of this. And he's knocking things off the desk and saying, <laughs> I'm leaving. And all I need is this ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> and then as he's walking out the door and this chair, 
<laughs> and this, you know, but I don't need anything, anything else. else yeah. And so it ends with him like walking down the street <laughs> with this hodgepodge things of in, in his arms <laughs> and his pants around his ankles. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Poor Obama. I was, uh, <laughs> I watched the, uh, uh, the interview yesterday, they had him like at one o'clock or something. And, uh, you could see that he was just, he's like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know, I'll deal with it. But, you know, him and Bush and even Reagan had to deal with this. Oh so, yeah. It's, it's the way things go. It is. It's a pendulum swing every time. So that's what I've got in the news today. Awesome. So what are we doing for our tried episode? Well, have you read any good books lately? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. What are you reading right now? Well, I'm still reading uh, Brian Godawa's, uh books. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty deep into those right now. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, we need to have him back on the show. He, yeah. He's got a... Um, a new book. A, a, a new book coming out. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, I... David... Triumphant David Ascendant. Ascendant David Ascendant. So it's going to be, and uh, so it's going to be dealing with a lot of things that we're familiar with with giants, right? So that's going to be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I uh, I started the first book and then I traded my Kindle for an iPad and haven't been able to put it on my iPad yet. So oh, okay. I'm waiting for the uh, Apple Master, okay, <laughs> David, Gaddy, yeah, yeah. to put it on my I'll, iPad. I'll, I'll get it to you. Thanks. So, uh, but yeah, those those books are really good. Awesome. I've I've um, I've read two of them now. I've started Gilgamesh, which is really a cool way of taking the Gilgamesh story and blending it into the biblical narrative. Huh. So it's it's really pretty neat so far. And that is interesting. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So yes, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> We are talking about <laughs> books today. Well, actually, specifically, the top ten, we're going to do a top ten list, just like we did, remember, with uh, favorite uh, musical artists. Right. We're going to do a top and ten. Bible stories. Bible stories. Yeah, we did Bible stories, <laughs> yes. too. Wow. We've covered a lot of material in 30 episodes. Yes. So we're going to cover. So did you cheat and put any biblical books on your list? N- books of the Bible? Yeah. No. Okay. I didn't because see that's a that's a that's a cop out. Yeah, it is a cop like, out. Yeah, my favorite book is the Bible. <laughs> well, I don't I don't, I don't know, know what you the Book of James <laughs> is a good book. No, so yeah, you can put you know your book on number one, but my number one <laughs> is the Bible. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, these are the top ten uh, books that have significantly spoken to us or changed our lives. Right. Besides, so any scripture. fiction. On yours? Um, no, none. This, okay, I didn't. I, well, time. mine's debatable. There are a couple that could be considered fiction. If I did fiction, which I decided not to, uh-huh. uh, it would have totally changed the entire list. Me too. And so, uh, yeah, I went with primarily uh, books that have been influential to my way of of, of understanding things. Thank like you. that has has changed me in some way, yeah. or grounds me in what i already believe yeah <laughs> so i'm assuming the origin of species isn't on your top no ten. not that one's not there oh, but okay <laughs> just checking just check i have read that from front to back <laughs> um, oh that's hilarious but uh let's see 
Um, so, so we want to start with number 10. Yeah, let's do and just you, and you yours the mine, yours the mine, and banter about it. Okay, so there are two criteria of things that 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 made you me... You went all scientific on me. Well, I say that. I just, <laughs> I'm just trying to, to think about why. Okay, these aren't the best books in the world, okay? That's okay. what I'm saying. I these gotcha. aren't the top 10 best books written, you know, whatever. Right. These are books that have either had an impact on the way I think about a topic or or scripture, uh, or they are very so well written that I couldn't leave it off top of thing. Gotcha. Okay. So number 10 for yes. me is a book called free in Christ by a man named Cecil hook. I'm going to write these down free <laughs> in. Okay. I've never heard of this. Book. Okay. This yeah. one. And this one is a, a book that deals with, uh, and I've got several books that on, on my list that deal with this topic. And that is the topic of law versus grace. Law versus grace. <clears throat> so the whole point of this book is about how we as humans get caught up in legalities of religion and doing things right. So much so that we're losing the point of what law is even about. And uh, so there were some, there's some great uh, things in there that I read, I was like, man, that just really puts it in perspective to me about where the law is now. Huh. So, um, and some arguments that I've been able to make to a lot of friends that we've discussed these, these topics and, and I use the same metaphors and the same things that Cecil used and they've been very helpful in our study and oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. You know? Awesome. So, what's, uh, what's Cecil's background? Who, do you know anything about him? Yes, he is a, um, Church of Christ uh, guy from, he's dead now. He About, I, I think the book was written about 20 years ago. Huh. Something like that. Interesting. So, but yeah, so he, so he includes a lot of the background of the Church of Christ in his arguments and, and discussion as well. Cool. I'll have to check that out. All right. My number 10, and I, most of these, a lot of these are classical. Right, um, and I've got a few of those too, and I, I just, uh, but books that, um, a lot of these I read about ten years ago, mm-hmm. so just rekindling, <laughs> you know, brushing up on these, and going, uh, I, I uh, was handed a book <clears throat> called Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, um, back when I my first year in life action. and uh, it was a book that I'd heard about because I'm a big Rich Mullins fan, right, and Rich Mullins recommended this book wherever he went it was one of his number one books ever um so i started checking out gk chesterson and i um he's a guy that if uh, i was living with him and or living around him in england back in the day we would have been really good friends because he reminds me a lot of myself he's a he was a fat lazy guy um <laughs> but he was he was brilliant he was just fat and lazy and uh <laughs> And so uh, he 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 wrote a lot of he was a Christian apologist. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had a lot of awesome debates, uh, but he he also he just didn't write a lot. Um, he did a lot of uh, he didn't do any big lengthy books. He did a couple fiction here and there. He did a lot of uh, um, a lot of essays, short essays. Mm-hmm. But his definitive work it was called uh, Orthodoxy. Um, Orthodoxy is basically it's a uh, um, it's a apologist book, and it's uh, basically 
he uses this uh, idea um, as the uh, the base of his book. Imagine if you decide you were going to set off on a journey to discover yourself or discover something new, mm-hmm. right? And you left your hometown and you traveled around the world and you came back to your hometown and you thought it was brand new, but you actually discovered and everything was perfect and it fit just well. Gotcha. And you, yeah, but you, uh, and you <clears> discovered, <throat> well, I, I knew this all along. This is, this is what I was meant to be. He focused on, uh, basically, um, the finding that we are, we all carry with us the innate desire for Christ, the innate desire for God. Okay. And once we discover it, well, we've been there all along. We just (laughs) need to discover it. And so he talks about... It's probably a really good book for people that are born and raised, quote unquote, in in a church. Sure. Because you don't have much discovery happening whenever you're... 10, 12, whatever. Right. You know, a lot of people find Christ at, you know, a very young age when they're raised in it. But then at some point in their life, they <laughs> hit rock bottom and they really convert. Sure. And, and then that, that it's a, it's something that's more real. Right. To them. It's absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this was a, this was a book that, um, just spoke to the purpose of life more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Why are we here? What's the purpose? And it uses that as a logical explanation for for Christ, a relationship with Christ. So it hammered me big time whenever I was 21. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the uh, next one on my list is a book called The Way of Agape by Chuck and Nancy Missler. Um, now... I love Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler is, um, yeah, I used to really get into Chuck, you know, a whole lot more so than I do now. Um, but Chuck and I have, a, I can relate to him because he's an engineer. I'm an engineer. We think a lot the same. Yeah. Um, some of the things that he's dealt with in his career, I've dealt with in my career. And so anyway, um, <clears throat> the this book, though, is really more by his wife than by him. Huh. And it's about, um, I, I read this book whenever I was going through what I will consider my true conversion or second conversion or whatever you want to call it, where I actually became way more involved in serving Christ than I ever was huh. before, even though I was born and raised in it. Sure. Okay, so, um, and the discovery of love was the key for me. I mean, that was love and grace that would, when I understood those concepts from a godly standpoint and what it really, what they really were about, not just buzzwords used in church, that uh, it changed the way I viewed the entire world. It changed the way I viewed people. It changed the way I dealt with problems. Everything changed about me whenever I learned what agape was. Yeah. And so this book is, is sort of technical. Um, it goes into a, a lot of depth of analyzing what love is in the Christian's life. And it's done so through the lens of a couple going through hard times because Chuck and Nancy were on rocky ground huh. at one point, And he uh, basically credits her with saving the entire marriage because of her understanding of God's love. Wow. And so uh, it's told from her perspective of, of how she um, just completely willingly chose to love him, even though he was being a turd. 
<laughs> Even though he was a jerk and treating their marriage horribly, she ignored that and served and loved anyway. Huh. And that had an impact on him and led him to change. So um, I just like the way how how analytical it is. Yeah. And how deeply emotional it is. That's so, really cool. It's a great you know, book. I'm reading a book right now uh, by Francis Chan, uh, Francis and his wife. Actually, my my wife and I are reading it. Um, it's uh, and I already forgot the name. My wife would kill me. But it's they just came out with it, and basically, it, it's the almost the exact same point you're making, which is uh, um, once we get a grasp of of God. Mm-hmm. And once we are in a right relationship with him and understanding uh, his, you know, his love towards us and then understanding our response to that, becoming followers of him, right? Um, becoming selfless, then that's when our marriage thrives and all our relationships, everything's put in yes, right away. Everything falls that's into right. order whenever, whenever that's really... happening. And then... When you when you get out of this this false concept that love is an emotion, right? Love is not an emotion, not no. real love, not agape love. It's not an emotion. That's right. It's it's a choice, Amen. and it's a verb. That's good. <laughs> love is a verb. DC talk. <laughs> Shout out. All right. Anyway, so you're number nine. Number nine, and I, uh, I said none of these are fiction. This is an allegory. Okay. Does that count? You, Pilgrim's Progress. Oh yeah, I've got that one on here too. Okay, John Bunyan. Yes, sixteen uh, hundreds. I got it way higher than nine. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. I mean, I liked it. I grew up with the book. Yes, like my dad would reference it all the time. My mom made me read it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I read the Pilgrim's Progress for kiddos whenever I was a little guy. <laughs> so you're just tired of it. I yeah. Well, so it's enough. great, but it's <laughs> well, but it's like that movie you've watched over and over and over again. You love but. exactly. But then I think about it in every aspect of the Christian walk, every aspect of the Christian life. It has a picture in this allegory that John Bunyan wrote. I mean, you can correlate it to, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm struggling with uh, following Mr. Legality right now. And Mr., uh, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> should have listened to evangelism whenever he's talking. should have listened to evangelism. What in the world was I doing, right? Or thinking about hopeful and uh, and what was it, faithful, being martyred and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. and. And uh, living dealing, in, dealing with the giant in a dungeon. Yes, yeah. all I mean it's it's just cool. And then putting on on the armor of God and and uh, just and one of my favorite parts or one of my favorite things about that book is the uh, the way that it's written in the form that Christian lives at home with his family and he is carrying this burden on his back. He can't take off. Right. So I kind of envisioned a backpack of sorts, but you know, whatever sure. this big, huge burden is on his back and he can't take it off. And, uh, whenever he first decides to follow and he, and he starts to, to head toward, uh, the city and the get, wicker gate. Yeah, and get out of the city of sure. destruction. Um, as he's leaving and he doesn't like shed the, the weight no. which is so typical of us and how we truly follow <laughs> we we start our walk with Christ and we think that we've oh we found it and we're and we're heading but our but we still carry that guilt and that right. weight and that and so it it's much later in the journey before he really loses right the weight off of his back and it's, I, it was really cool it, you know that's a really good like uh for example whenever he He's like, well, where's the wicker gate? And the evangelist is like, follow the light. 
You'll mm-hmm. see the light. In the, you don't see the gate. You see the light in the distance. Just follow it. Trust it. Follow it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so he follows without understanding. You know, and that's a that's a great picture of somebody who's, you know, not there yet, but is is following without understanding. You know, they're, they're taking those steps out on faith. And the minute when they, they do come to the realization of what Christ has done, when they, that's when that burden falls off. But it takes a long time, some sometimes right. longer than others to get there, you know. And, and, and there's all these little decisions that he makes right. that are so typical of the decisions that we make. Sure. Like um, one of the things, well, to me, the whole thing is great when you're, reading, when you're reading passages like Romans 8, where it talks about walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Sure. And then you read uh, passages like in 1 John, where it says walk in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. It's giving you the path to walk, right? Which is what Christian in the story is doing. He's following the path that's right. laid before before him. Well, there's one point where that path goes over this really steep mountain. Yeah. And the couple of, of guys he's picked up along the way, they're like, oh, man, but the path around the side of the mountain looks a, <laughs> a lot, lot easier. easier. And so maybe we should go off over there. And so he doesn't end up going along the path. He ends up taking the side road and it gets him into all kinds of trouble bog or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, but anyway, I just think it's really cool that, that, uh, you know, when we're told to follow the spirit and to walk in the light, those are things that, that we can, when we read Christian's journey, we can relate and go, and yes, I went into the woods. Yeah. (laughs) So good. And I should have went up the mountain. Right. All right, what's yours? Okay, number eight, a classic, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. <laughs> See, and I have that one way up. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, the reason why that one is so far down my list is because, uh, not because it's not great, it's a great book, but the, <laughs> but the reason why is because whenever I read Mere Christianity, it was much further into my, um, my walk, and I was established and stable in the concepts that were being discussed. Love the read. I love how concise and straightforward he is. A, he's a great writer and he puts it in such simple to understand terms oh, yeah. that uh, the, 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 the word mere in the title is so reflective of what's in the, sure. the book because it's just, this is the simplicity of what Christianity is. Yeah. And uh, so it's a great book and, and all that, but it didn't do like, I didn't read that book and go, wow, I've got it wrong or I, or wow, I've been going down the wrong path on this. Or there, there was, there was nothing in it that revolutionized yeah. my walk. It was just, as I said before, something that solidified where I, I was. That's good. So. That's good. Well, uh, number eight for me is also C.S. Lewis book. Actually, I've, this is one of four C.S. Lewis books on my list. <laughs> I've got a couple. Too. So, <laughs> um, C.S. Lewis is my favorite author. Just get out there. That guy, uh, I used him in college a lot whenever I was, uh, I went for an English degree and, um, everybody else was throwing out, uh, <laughs> When we got to, it was really interesting. When we got to English um, lit theory and criticism, mm-hmm. um, there were all these like facult, uh, all these different theories about. And this is this is very this was a very interesting thought to me. 
um, they were throwing out all these different theories of what literary um, greatness greatness was. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but also what uh, meaning was. Okay, so let's say you're reading, I don't know, the Blythedale Romance. Okay. And so you're reading, this is a book by Hawthorne. Well, what is the, what is the meaning? What's the symbolism in all this? What is it? What yeah. is it? What's yeah. It? And, um, well, Foucault will say, well, whatever the reader wants it to be. Well, others <laughs> will say all these different things. Right. My, my big thing was meaning is always carried with the author. It's author's intent, period. For me, that's meaning, right? Right. But, and so. Sometimes that's even subconsciously. Right. Right. So for me. Uh, it's either it's black or white. There's there's no relatives here. It's all black and white. Now, all these different writers will say no. It's not black and white. It's all gray, and you don't you can't discover what's truth and what's not truth. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a subtlety. Uh, I fell in love with C.S. Lewis by reading The Abolition of Man, which is not in this list. <laughs> but I fell in love with reading The Abolition of Man because he was he was saying exactly what I was I was saying. For instance, you know, uh, he's talking about author's intent as it's always been author's intent. And now all of a sudden, and if you go and you look in our universities right now, and he was like right on the edge of when everything was uh-huh. just going to junk. And uh, <laughs> he says, if you go and listen to our universities right now, they're talking hogwash, total bullcrap about <laughs> authors are about meaning. And, and uh, anyway, so that's where I fell in love with him. But the book that's number eight for me is The Great Divorce. Um, oh yes, I yeah. love the Great Divorce because it's uh, it blew my mind thinking about hell, which he he is he believes in purgatory, right? Okay, and it the bus actually starts in purgatory. You're actually <laughs> in purgatory when you start the book, which is kind of fun. I just love the imagery and the symbolism there. Like there's this part in purgatory. Napoleon uh, Bonaparte is in purgatory. Right. And he talks about the man goes and he, he views Napoleon and he's in his gigantic house, which it's raining on him uh, because nothing's tangible in purgatory and it's raining on him and he's pacing Napoleon's pacing back and forth thinking about the next place he has to conquer. But every time he conquers (laughs) a place while he's in purgatory. Yeah. Every time he conquers a point, a place, it becomes not enough for him. Yeah. Like he's just never satisfied. Like Alexander the Great. Exactly. So he's just never, never, never satisfied. So he gets on the bus, he goes to heaven, and what does he see? Everything is more real than anybody can handle. Some people won't even get off the bus because they're afraid of what's outside because it's so real. He starts walking on water because the water is able to hold his spirit body up because it's just so real, right? He can't pick up a rock. (laughs) <laughs> like a, a little pebble is too hard for him to pick up and all this other stuff. And so people are afraid and yeah, it's just a, a great image of heaven is the reality and we're living in the non-reality. I need to read the book. I've actually got it at the house, but I've never read it. Oh, so powerful. It's one of those things where I've got all these books and <laughs> uh, I just love it. It starts out a bus station in the rain and this guy's just waiting in line. He's dead. He doesn't know he's dead. He's just waiting in line at a bus stop. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Anyways, so that's, that's why awesome. number number eight. Okay, my number seven is going to be um, another book by Chuck Missler. And this book is called uh, Cosmic Codes. 
And we actually <laughs> talked about it a little bit on the. You have that on, on your board. top ten favorite books. I do, and dude, and, that's hardcore. And, and the reason why is because once again, I'm a very analytical guy. Yeah. I like analytics. I I'm just a I'm a dumb computer nerd, right? You know, yeah. so I mean, I'm a, so um, the thing that I really like about that book is the discovery of how deep the Bible goes like details huh. into the structure of the wording and how there are things in there that could never be written by man. Huh. Like you could like there's several places in here in, in the book where he challenges the user. He's like, try to write something like this and here's your stipulations <laughs> and writes it all down. It is impossible to do. Sure. And, and we mentioned like the thing about the number seven right. and about how many derivatives of the number seven are in Jesus's lineage in Matthew, the first chapter. And it's like, you couldn't do that if you wanted to, right. you couldn't sit down and, and write up, make up a lineage, but it has to be derivative. It has to be divisible, evenly divisible by seven, seven in the number of people in the number of men in the number of names and the number of, of letters, the number of consonants, the letter, number of vowels, everything is divisible by seven. <laughs> so there's so many things in the Bible. It's not just one thing like that. It's this book is, I don't know, four or 500 pages long. This is a huge book. And Missler's written a lot of things about a lot of topics. But to me, this is the quintessential thing that he did because because yeah. it, it examines um, all kinds of hidden nuggets that make the Bible obviously extraterrestrial, not of this earth. Huh. And so when I read that book, it was like I came unhinged with, okay, first it's a great faith builder because it becomes this cannot be contrived by a bunch of old Jews. There's no <laughs> way I know my faith is real now because I know the Bible yeah. comes straight out of the mouth of God. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's that's why it's on the list is because that was one of those moments when my faith just, you know, skyrocketed whenever I realized how deep the Bible actually goes. It's awesome. So, All right. Number seven for me uh, is a book by John Piper called Desiring God. Okay. Um, I was 21 when I, no, 22, whenever I read this book and it completely changed my whole vision of God um, up until this point my whole life had been focused on doing uh, being a, my whole Christian walk if I can call it a Christian walk was focused on being uh, a good person focused on doing the right thing and, and stop not doing what I liked to do right okay right um, Your and, desire changed. Exactly. <laughs> and so in Desiring God, he makes a statement, God is most glorified in us. Well, he starts out and he he points out the chief end of man, which is to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he adds a sentence to that, to glorify God by enjoying him forever, is what he says. Okay, that's cool. And this is what he, the statement, the overarching statement. Now, this is a thick book. I mean, it's like almost a thousand pages where he's just, he's a theology guy. He's just, I mean, all yeah, about theology. He's he's an analytical guy too. He is. Um, but what he comes down to is God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. 
and he uses this analogy. He talks about uh, if it was his, him, him and his wife's anniversary, and he uh, got everything in place, and um, he came to the front door of their house, and he rang the doorbell, and when she opened it, he presented her with flowers, and she said, Oh, that's so wonderful, honey. You didn't have to do this. You're <laughs> you're so awesome. Thank you for those anniversary flowers. And he said, well, it's my job. Yeah. It's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I, And they were on sale. Yeah, they were on sale. <laughs> this is, this is what I'm, I, I am demanded to do this because I'm your husband. She would not respond well to that. <laughs> right? right. Right. Which that's so indicative of how we treat Christianity. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> because we're all like, well, why you show up to church? Well, well, it's that's my what job. I'm supposed to do. It's my, my yeah. duty. If you don't show up, someone's going to want to know where I am. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going right. to... Exactly. <laughs> so I have to do this. But instead, if he... You Sorry, know, God. Right. I offend you, but... <laughs> if you rang the doorbell and she answered and he says... She said, you didn't have to do this. You know, and he said, honey, I love you so much. I wanted to do this for you more than anything. You know, I, I just... I desire to love you. Mm-hmm. I have more... more anything and i tell you what why don't you go put on your best dress we're gonna go out we're gonna hang out at a hotel we're gonna you know we're just gonna have a wonderful time because i want to delight in you Mm. my chief goal is to delight in you wow that's awesome yeah and so that's what god is wanting from us and it it took my whole it it just changed my whole my whole picture of who god is Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a lover of our souls and so he's he's to be the one that we're just infatuated with <laughs> beyond anything else, and uh, and so that's you know that was just a great book for me to read at that time. Yeah, very good. Uh, my number six is um, called "Death of the Custodian." <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> death of the okay go ahead it's by it's by a guy by the name of carl Ketcherside, who carl Ketcherside was uh uh contemporaries with cecil hook okay Com- same background um dealing with the same types of issues so once again this is another book dealing with law and grace and the 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 reason i like it so much is because um it takes one little statement in the book of Galatians and describes it to such a well thought out and understandable model that, that Paul actually built. But because of our lack of understanding about Jewish practices and things like that, it, we just read it and it skims over. But it's the part where he, he talks about the law was our school teacher in the King James Version, yeah, uh, leading us to faith in Christ. Um, but instead of the word the word school teacher there, that doesn't convey really what the Greek word underneath was saying. the The word, as Ketcherside would say, it would be better translated the custodian, because this it was the huh. it was the person who was in charge of the child of the house, huh. taking care of them, teaching them. Um, the they were the the child's custodian, and that they would train them, and then at some point they would set them into the world. And so, yeah. it's about um, how the law died with Jesus <laughs> because it it did its job. It, right. It it brought us up and taught us 
uh, what we needed to know in order to have faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And that's why it says we are no longer under the custodian, uh, a custodian. Yeah. And um, so anyway, it's a really great short book, but a really good read wow. that really had an impact on how I thought about once again, law and, and how law is uh, an old test, more of an old Testament concept that the law of the new Testament is more of a law of freedom and grace. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. My number six is a C.S. Lewis book again, The Four Loves. Okay. Um, I don't know if you have you read this. I haven't. That's awesome. Okay, so C.S. Lewis sets out, and this this is actually a book off of a just like Mere Christianity, a book he did it a series of radio talks, mm-hmm. and then he comprised it into a book. So these are the radio talks, but he really wanted to set out and understand God's love for us. Okay, so it's actually like your. Um, what was that book? Way of Agape. Yeah, Way of Agape. A lot like that. He wanted to understand God's love. And so what he did was he set out and he analytically wrote down, uh, he started out with the the types of love. Like, he put them into three categories. Need, pleasure, and appreciation. Whereas three categories. Okay? Mm-hmm. So a mother, a child loves his mother because he needs her. A mm-hmm. uh, mother loves her child because of pleasure or affection. Mm-hmm. Okay. And pleasure and affection kind of fit together really right. closely. Right. Um, or friends grow to love each other because of affection. So he takes those three and then he takes the four Greek words for love. Um, and I, I, I always thought there were three up until I read this. Yeah. Um, but there's actually four. Um, and the one that I always forget, which is actually the word affection um, storage, S T O R G E, storage. Yeah, I can't ever say it right. So you have agape, storage, phileo, and eros. Okay? Right, right. Um, and he sets out to describe those four, four loves. Okay, and then he puts them in the different categories, and he ends up with God, um, having agape, which trumps everything. Right, because um, it's a clinical, willful love. Exactly, it's a willful love. It's it's above everything else in that it's neither a need, um, it it is a pleasure and appreciation, but there's absolutely no right need for well, it. Well, and and the, what it does is it feeds the others. Right. So so like uh, phileo is even something you have. It, it, we often say brotherly love, right? But it's not just confined to like a brotherly type of relationship. You and your wife also have a phileo sure. type of, of relationship. Uh, you know, of course there's Eros, which is the Erotic, butterflies yeah. and the bedroom. Right. Uh, but, but you've also <laughs> got uh, this phileo that happens at other times, you know, sure. when man, my wife's just great. And she, man, I love her. You know, that yeah. that's a phileo type of thing. Um, but then there's that, that non-emotional love, that yeah. agape that says, uh, yeah, she screamed at me and she hates me right now, but I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm going to, I love her anyway. Yeah. And, and because, you know, if it's, if it's a roller coaster ride, emotions are, emotions are roller coaster ride. Right. And the relationship's not supposed to be. Right. So, the, so agape is what keeps the, that flat line right. whenever it's going down. Yeah, so. and that's that's exactly what basically C.S. Lewis came to in that same conclusion. But it was really neat. I loved, um, he describes, one of my favorite parts of that book was when he just goes into phileo, mm-hmm. uh, which is brotherly love. 
Um, and he talks about, he first starts out by saying, there are very few great filet loves in the world anymore, like Jonathan and David had. Right, right. Okay. And he says, you know, it's just hard to find that anymore. There's not much brotherly love the way there used to be. And <clears throat> and then he talks about how you you and, uh, like, Phileo's different in that instead of, he uses body position. And he says, front to front would be Eros, okay? Mm-hmm. Phileo is side to side, where you are, you are working alongside another person for the common goal. Right. Okay. So you are as brothers and sisters in Christ working side by side, phileo loving each other and focusing on Christ, which is a really cool imagery. Cool. Yeah. I loved it. So, well, there was a, you know, one other thing about that is, uh, if you've ever really analyzed, uh, Peter and, and Jesus's conversation there at, after Jesus's resurrection on the huh. shores of Galilee, Whenever Jesus does the whole, do you love me? Do you love, do you love me? me? Yeah. Do you love me? Um, if you read that in the Greek, there are different Greek words happening. Right. So, um, and, and it kind of gives you an idea about how how they viewed these loves. So when when Jesus asked Peter, do you agapeo me? Yeah. Do, you, do you agape me? His response is, I phileo you. And I think the reasoning behind that is if you just look at how passionate Peter was, Peter saw Phileo as this great, strong, passionate love. And agape would be this clinical, non-feeling love. And so that's why his response was, what's wrong with you, Jesus? Don't you know? Can't you tell? (laughs) I dove out of the boat just a few minutes ago and swam as fast as I could to get to shore. And, um, and, And Jesus's response was, feed my sheep yeah which is is in other words there's work to be done right i don't need lovey-dovey i don't need i need something bigger than that right and then of course then he asked him again yeah do you agape and his response is i phileo and so after <laughs> the third time when G- on the third time jesus says do you phileo, do you phileo? <laughs> is that really where you're at and he was like you know everything and you yeah. know that's where i'm at and of course then he goes on to tell him well one day you're going to have to die for me. Right. So I, I know you're going to get the agape because phileo won't take you to the grave for somebody. Right. But agape will. Right. Agape will. And, and, and so that was his whole point is yeah. I need you to take care of things when I'm gone and emotional love is not yeah. going to do it. Phileo is only there until, I don't know, somebody's Until trouble comes yeah, along. Do you know him? No, I don't know this man. <laughs> right. Right. So Okay, so that was your number what? Oh, God. That was your six, right? Yeah, it was six. Okay, number five. Uh, This one is an odd one to put in the list, but as a scientific geek also, uh, this one just nailed me. It's called Witness of the Stars by E.W. Bullinger. (laughs) And uh, the whole thing... You're such a science geek. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So this book is about how the Bible, at least the, um, the plan of salvation... Yeah. is completely written in the stars. And, um, and and so that prior to having a Bible, prior to having all this, more than likely what the patriarchs used to teach their children was the sky. Yeah, uh, What we call the zodiac is a um, distortion of something that was already there. 
So the pagans took something like, just like Brian Godawa does in his little right. stories. He talks about how the original was this and then the fallen angels twisted it to make it something else. Right. It's kind of the same way. Uh, astrologers have twisted the Zodiac into something else. The Jews called the Zodiac the Matzeroth. And there were 12 signs in the sky, uh, even prior to all the pagan versions of them. But the cool thing is they had the same symbols. So you still had Virgo. The Virgin. The, the, the Virgin. It wasn't called Virgo in the Hebrew tongue, but you had the Virgin. Right. And then you had the um you had the scorpion and Scorpio you had the Pisces. Yeah, you had all all those same images were still there. And one of the questions that Bullinger asked is he was like, seriously, why does Ursa Major, why is it a bear? Every culture on the planet knows it's a bear. <laughs> you know, and 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 of course at the planetarium they'll say years ago like, yeah. someone looked up and it looked like a bear. It doesn't look like a bear. Right. I mean, Taurus doesn't look like a bull. <laughs> <laughs> but but what we've done is we've got them from somewhere. Sure. We we've collectively gotten those symbols from somewhere. And so his his uh theory is that prior to the flood, this was all the teaching right. that that the way you taught the scriptures was through the sky. And so these symbols were there. By design, in the beginning, whenever he says he put the the lesser lights in the sky for signs yeah. and for seasons, and so uh, and then at the Tower of Babel, we all took those symbols with us when right. we left. And so, you know, it's a really cool read because what it does is it goes through every single constellation in the Matzeroth in the zodiac, wow. and it goes through the original names of the stars, what they mean, what those constellations mean, and it tells the story of Jesus from. Uh, birth to second coming. Yeah. Because if you start with Virgo, that's the virgin, and she's holding a child. In, in So, I mean, it tells this the whole story, his, his death, his resurrection, and all the way in the very last, if you start with Virgo, the very last one in the cycle is Leo, the lion yeah. of Revelation, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wow. So yeah, it's just a, it's a really cool read. It was one of those things where I read it and was just floored by it. And once again, huge faith builder that, sure. Hey, the Bible is up there in the stars. Even if I lose my Bible, Amen. I've got it. It's <laughs> good. All right. Well, my number six, no, not my number, number five. five. That's right. It's St. Augustine's confessions. Um, this is the most translated book beside the Bible, uh, anywhere in the world. It was a, uh, a huge, uh, uh, a huge faith builder for me. Um, it's old, so you have to get past that. It's right. way old reading. Uh, but just his, his description of uh, to coming to Christ, um, being born into sin. This is actually, uh, if you know Augustine, we get a lot of our, our theology um, from August, Augustine. Right. Um, and so you see this developing in his life. As you read the confessions originally, um, it's like what fourteen books they combined it into one, one large book. And anyway, so um, not much to say about this other than it's just I think every Christian needs to read the confessions at some point. Yeah, um, just because it's a um, such an important, foundational or such an yeah. important book of our yeah of our Christian heritage. So cool. that's where I'm at. Number four for me is another C.S. Lewis book called. 
the screw tape letters. <laughs> My dear Mr. Wormwood. <laughs> I love the screw tape letters. I have a did I ever tell you I have a I have the screw tape letters read by John Cleese. <laughs> do you really? I do. <laughs> that would be awesome. It is so good. So, uh, Anyways, I've got the illustrated deluxe version. Of it. <laughs> That's cool. But uh, it's so. The, the thing I like about the screw tape letters is it's all told from the devil's perspective, basically. Right. I mean, it's a demon talking to a lower demon right. on how to how to corrupt humans. Right. And the reverse psychology is brilliant. Yeah. Because obviously he's teaching us something through these demons and their point of view. Sure. And um, there are so many memorable things that speak to our fallen humanity whenever you hear this demon saying, don't go after the obvious thing. Right. Go after the subtle thing. And 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 just kind of training this lower demon yeah. on how to, to steal the soul of this particular guy that right. they're after in the story. And, uh, you know, there are things like, one of the quotes from there was like, you know, the road to hell is, is, um, or the, the, the quickest road to hell is the gradual one. Yeah. It's not the quick and sudden one. And just things like that, that, oh, his examination of gluttony <laughs> is so phenomenal because what do you think of when you think of gluttony? Food. Overeating. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we think of. Right. But what he does is he, he makes, he, the, the, the demon is telling Wormwood, He's telling him, uh, no, you don't have to get her to eat a lot. All you have to do is get her to be picky about her food. Yeah. Because that's gluttony. Because what it is, is the over um, focus on right. something other than God. Like you're, you're putting, you're so concerned about the toast has to be toasted <laughs> to just a certain level. And you get just irate if it's wrong. Sure. That's, you're too focused on food. That's and that, and that was what the whole point of the, so yeah I I love that 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 whole that whole book is amazing yeah so um man wish I could put that on there now <laughs> I mean I love that book. I, anything by CS I should have just wrote CS yeah CS Lewis is pretty great period but um uh all right my number four is the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. um th- which is man, actually you got all these old school I'm telling you I just I love the old. <laughs> I told you it was a lot of classic, but uh, the reason the imitation of Christ is so important <coughs> to me um, mm-hmm. is because whenever I first uh, accepted Christ, uh, it was a book given to me one, by one of my friends, um, and it uh, it is definitely old school. In fact, people aren't 100% sure that Thomas Akempis ever wrote it. It was, uh, um, it's kind of like debated a little bit about that, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of the very first devotional books ever written. Um, it's divided up into four sections, uh, and it's basically the Christian life, how to walk the Christian life. If there's one thing that I got out of that book that is continues today to resound in me, I wrote it in the front of my Bible. Um, um, the pathway to humility is always correct. Mm. That's the number one thing That's good. I, I got out of that book. And, over and over again, it shows you... That's profound, actually, when you really stop to think about it. Yeah. Jesus was all about humility. Right. And meekness. And that's and it, just like we were talking about a while ago, that's the one thing that the church is lacking. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, will the most humble person please stand up? You know, I mean, that's the kind of humbleness <laughs> exactly. that we... <laughs> you know, and uh, to the point where 
And this is really interesting. Uh, I was thinking about this. The the very fact that this book is debated whether Thomas Akempis wrote it mm-hmm. shows the humbleness of the author. Right, right. He's like, well, it doesn't matter if I wrote it or not. Just <laughs> if it helps you. Right. <laughs> it helps you. And the, uh, so humility is just throughout this entire book, it's just weaved. Um, mm-hmm. And in every single spot... Uh, humility, and then, of course, practical uh, discipleship, which is uh, uh, scripture uh, reading every day uh, and sacraments. They focus big on sacraments as the Catholic book right. originally, but um, it's a, uh, I, I just, it's another one of those that every Christian I think should read. And uh, I mean, it's just a, it blew me away whenever I was a, uh, a young uh, Christian. So. Awesome. Okay, my number three. Now, this is a strange one to be this high on the list because it's a really modern book, but it's The Hole in the Gospel by Richard Stearns. I knew you were going to put that, and I almost did, so I didn't. And, and the <laughs> reason why that book is there, it's not that great of a written book. It's not, um, I mean, a lot of it is just his um, story. Sure. But the thing that it did for me is it, it was an eye-opener for me. It made me see the world. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um. I would not be in Haiti and uh, the other places I've been. I would not be doing those works if it wasn't for this book. This this book was one of those things where I was reading it at times, and it may not affect everybody the same way, but at the point in my life where I was searching for what Jesus wanted, Mm -hmm. I was searching for his footsteps and his footprints, and that's why we named it the company Footprints of Charity. Amen. Because I was looking to, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to follow him. I don't want to just go to church and wear this label. I want to follow him. And I was in the midst of searching for this when I read that book. And it was like God put that book in front of me to say, okay, you want to follow me. It takes (laughs) you sometimes to some dark, nasty places. And um, so I ended up you know, uh, uh, doing what we're doing over in, in Haiti because primarily that book urged me on. Sure. Of course, obviously, whenever I got down there with the earthquake, that's what really sold it <laughs> if I wasn't sold already. Right. But uh, but that's it, it's a it's a great book for explaining the read the title. The hole in the gospel means we've left something out. Yeah, that's his whole point. Right. His whole point is we've been all about theology. We've been all about getting our 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 eyes dotted and our T's crossed and all this sort of thing. But you know what? There's something. There's a hole in it. Yeah, we're missing the and and that hole is filled with love for the least of these. Yeah, and that's what the whole uh, concept of the book is. And so I uh, I listened to a a sermon by uh, uh, John Piper. Um, and he referenced the whole in the gospel whenever he gave the sermon. He was talking about missions. Doing the the title of the sermon is "Doing Missions When Dying Is Gain." Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how uh, sacrifice and um, uh, struggle is a necessity for the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute necessity. And he uses a scripture like. Um, when Paul says they filled up what was lacking mm-hmm. in the gospel, 
Um, <laughs> and when you, every first read that, you're like, nothing's lacking in the gospel. This is the gospel. Well, what's lacking is they haven't delivered it yet. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and that's so, kind of where we've been. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he used this great analogy of this this preacher who walks uh, 20 miles to this outlying village and get, walks into the village and uh, he's heard about this village being just this nasty, horrible place. And he goes out and he, he starts preaching the gospel in the village and uh, the people pick up stones and throw them at him to get him out of there. So he leaves and he goes and he spends the night up in this tree on this hill. In the middle of the night, he wakes up suddenly and he sees all the villagers standing around him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, all right, they're going to kill me. This is it. And one of them walks up to him and he goes, um, we see that you loved us by the bloody feet that you have. Mm, yes. And, and so <laughs> would you tell us about Jesus? And so that transcends language, by the way. Yeah. Those types of things. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that we've really noticed going into a country that doesn't speak English. It it it's not that big of a barrier. People think that that's a huge barrier. It's right. like, uh, well, if you can find a halfway decent translator, you can do a lot. It's amazing because yeah. just you being there has a huge impact on them right uh, one of the stories in this book is uh, he found himself in peru at one point and was visiting this woman in her house and uh she was she was crying when they came in and and he started talking with her and she was like my prayer has finally been answered I've, i didn't know where else to turn to i've been praying to god to help to send me an angel. Mm. Of course, this is from a very simplistic villager right. saying, I just need to send an angel or anything to help. And he just randomly walks into her door. <laughs> and so he, and so that made him, that touched him so much. He just started crying and he was like, I just realized I am the answer to that woman's prayer. Yeah. That God used me to answer prayer. And he, he says, to me, it was just, oh, I'm just doing it. I wasn't even thinking right. about, I'm just, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to do, but you don't realize you're the answer to somebody's prayer. Yeah. And, and if you will just follow the spirit, you know, <laughs> and walk awesome. after that path. All so, right. My number three real quick uh, actually follows up with this and it's the OG um, to me, the OG book for uh, for being a follower of Christ, like so hip hop, hip hip hop. We have this, yeah, OG original gangster. Okay, um, so we have books out there now, which are awesome. David Platt, uh, Follow Me, um, Radical. Yes, uh, Radical actually was on my list, but it dropped off because it was mine too. Yeah. Which is an awesome book, by the way. And by the way, uh, a Southern Baptist got him on our missions board, just to let you know. <laughs> woo woo! <laughs> Sorry, just good, throwing that out there. Good, good for you. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no. Uh, and let's see. There's the not a fan book. Anyways, um, yeah, Kyle Eidelman. Kyle Eidelman. That's a, that's a good book. Amazing book. But they all go back to me. Go back to this dude. Crazy brother. love is not one. Yeah, yeah. It's another, Did I steal your thunder? No, totally. Oh, okay. okay, it all goes back to this dude by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh yeah, the cost now, wait of a discipleship. <laughs> Wasn't he that guy that tortured all those Jews? Something like <laughs> that. No, let's let's reverse that a little bit. He was tortured for his 
participation <laughs> in a plot to kill Hitler, okay. which is pretty awesome, but a uh, hardcore dude. But he wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. Now, keep in mind, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was killed by the Nazis, hanging him with piano wire. So imagine Man. that. Okay. Uh, hardcore. This is just one quote. Footprints of Jesus right there. Right. He talks about cheap. He actually, I think he coined the term cheap grace. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, he talks about how people are flipping about their grace. Um, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus. Uh, it's communion without confession, <laughs> baptism without church discipline, right? Uh, forgiveness without requiring repentance. Really good. Emptiness. Emptiness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, costly grace, I love this, and I'll, I'll read this quote and then we'll move on. Costly grace confronts us as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and to follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. but it will cost you something. Right. And that's the cost of discipleship. It's brilliant. And those co- the cost doesn't seem as high whenever you're truly desiring God. That's right. Right. So these books yeah. really work together. They both. fit right <laughs> together. All right. All right. My number two is one we already talked about, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Woo. So that made the number two for me, but just because that's so phenomenal to me. Yeah, that's a great book. And I, I, and I wasn't quite as worn out with it as you were. So what's your number two? All right. My number two, my number one flip places constantly. <laughs> um, but I'll put it as number two right now. The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. Yes. <laughs> that I knew book, that book was going to be. I thought, I figured that would be number one for you. It was close. It was really close. <laughs> that book blew me away the first time I read it. Uh, any, every time I read it, I, it's the book that I have at least four on hand and I hand out to people. Mm-hmm. Just I've got a few of those that <laughs> on this list. Yeah, just because I want them to, <laughs> to read this book. Uh, Brennan Manning was an alcoholic, struggled his whole entire life with alcoholism, even as he was writing the Ragamuffin Gospel, right. struggled with right. alcoholism. Right. Um, he, uh, his, his whole point is that we are ragamuffins for the gospel of Christ. And a mm-hmm. ragamuffin is somebody who knows, who understands how uh, how desperate they are for Christ's love. And they understand the depths of God's love towards them and mm-hmm. sending Christ to take care of them. Um, now He knows that he's a beggar. He's a beggar at, at God's at, door. At, at God's door. That's right. And uh, so he uses beautiful imagery. He, um, he talks... He talks about his AA meetings mm-hmm. in it, which will make you weep just <laughs> hearing these stories of people right. and uh, just breaks your heart. And then you read these stories about these horrible people, like this one guy who leaves his son in the car for four hours while he's in the bar drinking, comes back out, and, uh, you know, it's just this terrible... And his, the man says, I, I'll never find forgiveness for this. And Brennan says, no, you are totally forgiven. 100% forgiven. You know? Yeah. And it's just a shocking realization of God's grace. I just love it. Yeah, so, it's a great book. It's a, yeah, it's powerful for me. Um, so that's my number two. Okay, my number one is actually a commentary. <laughs> Commentary on Galatians by Martin by Luther. Martin Luther. 
awesome. That's so good. Um, that made my top list. Um, once again, my path of, of law versus grace and yeah. all this and it led me into uh, the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians covers that from front to back so well. That's and right. So, uh, and Martin Luther was struggling with the same things. Yeah, uh, because he was dealing with the papacy and all these yeah. these things that were happening there at the time of the Reformation, and this commentary is so thorough. Um, in fact, it's kind of hard to find an unabridged version of it. <laughs> I think it's like a thousand pages long, unabridged. Wow. Um, and so, but the copy that I've got is plenty thick on its own. He spends the first like couple of chapters just covering the first verse. Right. So. <laughs> So it is so thorough, wow. but it is, it is a uh, very well written. The translation that I've got is, is, is very good. Um, it's just one of those books that I highlighted it and highlighted it. And I was like, you know what? I can't highlight this whole book. Yeah. <laughs> just so well written. Martin Luther, you know, yeah, that's my favorite so far. Well, my number one is mere Christianity. Uh, uh, by yeah. C.S. Lewis. And the, the reason, uh, you know, and you pointed out, you know, you are already there. And I was kind of already there whenever I, I read this book, too. Yeah. Um, because it, it does. It points out simplistic, the the truth behind Christianity. But what I love about this book is almost what I loved about uh, my um, my orthodoxy book, number 10, mm-hmm. was it points out the uh, he uses such compelling evidence and argument um, from a philosophical standpoint that you can't do anything but step back and go there has to be a god there has to be a way of salvation mm-hmm. there's no i don't care what anything else says it has to be so and he uses the moralistic argument more than anything else right in mere christianity right um it's just such a powerful argument to me uh, of christ and it's a faith builder for from yes. Me. Yes. Very so um, it's just a uh, it's a book that I will constantly and it's so small. It's just a short it little is book. A short little book. Man, it's powerful. It is. It's yeah. impactful. So those are my. So that's really cool. So guys, man, you you guys need to send us your favorites. Sure, absolutely. Let, let us know what what books have that you've read that have really uh, strengthened your faith and that sort of thing. Now, there's a lot of people that really. You know, like I'll don't read books because they're the they're the works of man and they're the thoughts of man and and here's the thing you go into a book understand that right i mean it's not rocket science to know this is not inspired word of god exactly but the thing is don't you trust mentors someone who's been there before you someone who's dealt with something before you have listen to someone else and their advice and their and their understanding and then and there's a lot of books i've read i totally disagree with right i mean just like some of them i couldn't even get through Right. <laughs> but but you know then there's there's those that have really helped and so- and I've you know I've heard pastors say that uh, uh, you know all I need is the Bible and that's true it is true but you know you you also need and the reason that we exist together the church exists together is to encourage one another yeah. and understanding scripture. And- and a lot of those scriptures, you know, I really wouldn't have got the full extent if I had not have read a commentary or a book on the scriptures, right. like your your commentary from Martin Luther. Right. Galatians is an awesome book standing alone, but getting somebody else's insight. Yeah. Especially someone dealing with the right. same issue Paul was dealing with. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah. So, guys, you know, 
let us know what 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 your favorite sure books are and and uh you know we'd love to you know we should build like a theonauts reading list or, <laughs> That's or awesome, whatever yeah. but i guess another one quick thing that i think is really cool about being able to read especially you've got a lot of classics on yeah. on your your writing your reading list mine is has a lot there too a lot of these people aren't alive anymore right how beautiful is it yeah. that we can still have koinonia right fellowship and build off of one another after they've left this earth. Amen. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I think all of mine, except for one, is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of dead officers. (laughs) You're the dead poet society. That's right. (laughs) All right. So, well, anyway, guys, the Theonauts podcast is part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. Uh, Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more and to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com and subscribe to the newsletter there to stay up to date on the latest from all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to contact and leave us feedback. Send us some uh, send us some email to theonauts at gcnetwork.com. And call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen, us, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast portal. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. That helps other people find us. And on the social media, tweet us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theonauts. On occasion, we snap a picture or two on Instagram. <laughs> you can follow us there using at Theonauts. However, you found us. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. <laughs> so I like our new script. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission at GCTnetwork.com. This is your great